0: Welcome to Her Half of History. My name is Lori. The current series is The History of Getting Hitched. And as you can see, if you listened last week, I did not fully get my act together to release this as a midweek bonus. So this is now episode 9.6, The Solemnization of Matrimony. Instead of telling you a story about what we can gather from historical documents, I am just going to actually read you a historical document. If that's not your jam, give it a break and come back for the next regular episode on the African-American Bride. In 1549, Thomas Cranmer, Archbishop of Canterbury, authorized the first Book of Common Prayer for use in the fairly recently formed Church of England. It included a section called The Form of Solemnization of Matrimony. Cranmer is generally given credit for having written it. He certainly directed that it should be written. The Book of Common Prayer was subsequently revised several times, but I have compared multiple versions, and the differences to this section are pretty minimal. The Church of England still prefers the 1662 version today, and yes, the bride still promises to obey her husband in that version. The Anglican Church in North America revised as recently as 2019, and no, the bride does not promise to obey in that version. But overall, the sentiment and much of the language remains the same. Besides the slight revisions, there were times when the Book of Common Prayer was in favor, and also times when it was out. The Catholic Mary I didn't use it, of course, because it wasn't Catholic. Ironically, the Puritans under Oliver Cromwell also didn't use it, because it had too much Catholic influence. Sometimes you just can't win. Except that it did win, because overall it was in favor more often than it was out. So as I read this, you can imagine many an English bride on her wedding day. Anne Hathaway, who married William Shakespeare in 1582, Pocahontas, not English, who married John Rolfe, yes English, in 1614, Martha Custis, who was still an English subject when she married George Washington in 1759, Queen Victoria, who married Prince Albert of Saxe-Coburg and Gotha in 1840, Poet Elizabeth Barrett, who married poet Robert Browning in 1846, I could go on with more and more brides, up to and including Kate Middleton, who married Prince William in 2011. The following service would have been familiar to all of them, with a few slight variations from time to time. Here is the 1549 Form of Solemnization of Matrimony. First, the bonds must be asked three several Sundays or holy days in the service time, the people being present after the accustomed manner. And if the persons that would be married dwell in diverse parishes, the bonds must be asked in both parishes, and the curate of the one parish shall not solemnize matrimony betwixt them, without a certificate of the bonds being thrice asked from the curate of the other parish." At the day appointed for solemnization of matrimony, the persons to be married shall come into the body of the church with their friends and neighbors, and there the priest shall thus say, Dearly beloved friends, we are gathered together here in the sight of God, and in the face of His congregation, to join together this man and this woman in holy matrimony, which is an honorable estate instituted of God in Paradise, in the time of man's innocence." Signifying unto us the mystical union that is betwixt Christ and His Church, which holy estate Christ adorned and beautified with His presence, and first miracle that He wrought in Cana of Galilee, and is commended of St. Paul to be honourable among all men, and therefore is not to be enterprised, nor taken in hand unadvisedly, lightly, or wantonly, to satisfy men's carnal lusts and appetites, like brute beasts that have no understanding." but reverently, discreetly, advisedly, soberly, and in the fear of God, duly considering the causes for which matrimony was ordained. One cause was the procreation of children, to be brought up in the fear and nurture of the Lord and praise of God. Secondly, it was ordained for a remedy against sin, and to avoid fornication, that such persons as be married might live chastely in matrimony and keep themselves undefiled members of Christ's body. Thirdly, for the mutual society, help, and comfort, that the one ought to have of the other, both in prosperity and adversity, into the which holy estate these two persons present come now to be joined. Therefore, if any man can show any just cause why they may not lawfully be joined so together, let him now speak, or else hereafter forever hold his peace. And also speaking to the persons that shall be married, he shall say, I require and charge you as you will answer at the dreadful day of judgment, when the secrets of all hearts shall be disclosed, that if either of you do know any impediment why ye may not be lawfully joined together in matrimony, that ye confess it. For be ye well assured, that so many as be coupled together otherwise than God's word doth allow, are not joined of God, neither is their matrimony lawful. At which day of marriage, if any man do allege any impediment why they may not be coupled together in matrimony, and will be bound, and sureties with him to the parties, or else put in a caution to the full value of such charges as the persons to be married do sustain to prove his allegation, then the solemnization must be deferred, unto such time as the truth be tried. If no impediment be alleged, then shall the curate say unto the man, Name. Wilt thou have this woman to thy wedded wife, to live together after God's ordinance in the holy estate of matrimony? Wilt thou love her, comfort her, honor, and keep her in sickness and in health, and forsaking all other, keep thee only to her, so long as you both shall live? The man shall answer, I will. Then shall the priest say to the woman, Name, wilt thou have this man to thy wedded husband to live together after God's ordinance in the holy estate of matrimony? Wilt thou obey him, and serve him, love, honor, and keep him in sickness and in health? And forsaking all other, keep thee only to him, so long as you both shall live? The woman shall answer, I will. Then shall the minister say, Who giveth this woman to be married to this man? And the minister, receiving the woman at her father or friend's hands, shall cause the man to take the woman by the right hand, and so either to give their troth to each other. The man first saying, I name, take thee, name, to my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death us depart, according to God's holy ordinance, and thereto I plight thee my troth. Then shall they lock their hands, and the woman taking again the man by the right hand shall say, I, name, take thee, name, to my wedded husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love, cherish, and to obey, till death us depart according to God's holy ordinance, and thereto I give thee my troth. Then shall they again lock their hands, and the man shall give unto the woman a ring, and other tokens of spousage, as gold or silver, laying the same upon the book. And the priest taking the ring shall deliver it unto the man to put it upon the fourth finger of the woman's left hand. And the man taught by the priest shall say, With this ring I thee wed, this gold and silver I thee give, with my body I thee worship, and with all my worldly goods I thee endow. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Then the man, leaving the ring upon the fourth finger of the woman's left hand, the minister shall say, Let us pray. O eternal God, creator, and preserver of all mankind, giver of all spiritual grace, the author of everlasting life, Send thy blessing upon these thy servants, this man and this woman, whom we bless in thy name, that as Isaac and Rebecca, after bracelets and jewels of gold given of the one to the other for tokens of their matrimony, lived faithfully together, so these persons may surely perform and keep the vow and covenant betwixt them made, whereof this ring given and receive is a token and pledge, and may ever remain in perfect love and peace together, and live according to thy laws, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Then shall the priest join their right hands together and say, Those whom God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Then shall the minister speak unto the people. Forasmuch as name and name have consented together in holy wedlock, and have witnessed the same here before God and this company, And thereto have given and pledged their troth either to other, and have declared the same by giving and receiving gold and silver, and by joining of hands, I pronounce that they be man and wife together. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And the minister shall add this blessing. God the Father bless you. God the Son keep you. God the Holy Ghost lighten your understanding. The Lord mercifully with his favor look upon you, and so fill you with all spiritual benediction and grace that you may have remission of your sins in this life and in the world to come, life everlasting. Amen. The service is not over at this point, but I am almost done with this service because after that, the priest is instructed to read either Psalm 128 or Psalm 67 according to preference. Whose preference it does not make clear. I hope the bride's. And then they do the traditional call and response of Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, etc. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Visit some churches. It'll be educational. There is an optional blessing for women who are still in childbearing years. Then the priest is supposed to give a sermon, but Cranmer helpfully provides a sample sermon for any priest who doesn't want to bother writing his own. Long live plagiarism. The sermon Cranmer writes is basically an elaboration on the writings of Paul on the subject of marriage, and according to the traditional interpretations of Paul, He wasn't a big fan. Anyway, he admonishes husbands to love and cherish their wives. Wives are admonished to submit and obey, blah, blah, blah. And finally, the solemnization of marriage wraps up with the new married persons, the same day of their marriage, must receive the Holy Communion. And that's it. The wedding is over. Married bliss can begin. Thank you for listening. As always, visit the website herhalfofhistory.com for a transcript, pictures, and sources. Visit me on Twitter as at her underscore half, or on Patreon, Facebook, or Instagram as her half of history. Kate the Great is awesome for leaving me so many kind comments. Next week, it is Black History Month with the African American Bride, because unfortunately, She usually didn't get the same hoopla with the solemnization of marriage. She may not have gotten any solemnization at all. Thanks! Hello, everyone.